0: This is Stimulus. Yeah. Hello, my friends. Rob Orman here. You are listening to the Stimulus Podcast, where we break down strategies, ideas, and tactics to live and work with intent. I spent 20 years as an emergency physician and now as a certified executive coach, help docs work through burnout, overwhelm, career quagmires, leadership challenges maladaptive habits and behaviors. If you want to learn more about what we do or sign up for a free coaching discovery session to get clarity on your challenges and goals, you can find it all at our website, roborman.com. And, and many of you have reached out asking how you can support the show, which is by no means free to produce. So we have started a Patreon page. For those of you who want to support this pod, show a little love and keep the wind in the sails. There is a link to the Patreon page in the show notes for this episode, both on the website where the complete and detailed show notes are, as well as in the truncated show notes on your podcatcher. Either way, it'll get you there. All right, let's do it. On to the show. (music) The Winter Olympics happened a few months ago, and my buddy Tom was visiting town during that time, and he and I, one night, were watching ski jumping. I mean, ski jumping is absolutely bananas, <laughs> like you're just going down that hill and staring down that hill over and over. I mean, it's got to be scary. And Tom said, I wonder how they train for this. So we pulled up a program for Nordic ski jumping development that takes you, yeah, you can get anything on the internet, takes you from childhood novice to adult World Cup expert to Olympian. So as we're looking through this program, which was really extensive, there was physical training and progression, but much more of it was dedicated to mental training and preparation. I mean, pages and pages of it. And at the most advanced level, there were these three objectives in the training of a ski jumper. I'll just quote from it. Number one, self-talk to meet the demands of the moment. Number two, master the use of imagery to meet performance needs in all situation. And number three, demonstrate a mindful awareness and engagement to focus on the present moment and meet performance demands in all situations. Does that sound familiar to what might help with your work, with your vocation, even with your avocation? Like ski jumping, it's a singularly unique sport. I mean, it's kind of out there, but what's happening in the mind is not. That training, those objectives. It's the same pattern and same skills as any high stakes situation, any high stakes moment a resuscitation an interaction and how the ski flying goes has a lot to do with the mind of the athlete. The same applies to you. Well, you know what? Maybe you're a ski jumper and this applies doubly to you, but most of you are not. Regardless, self-talk matters a lot. It matters in performance. And your experience, not only of that moment, your performance, not only that moment of your work or your pursuit, but your experience of life. Now, that's a big picture. I mean, that, that is the big picture, but let's dial it back and focus our lens of attention on a tiny slice of time. That time when you are in the arena and it is a peak experience, a peak intense experience. When doubt can take center stage, when your inner voice might be something that is less than supportive. And this moment when that inner voice comes up is a mission critical fork in the road. Now, going back to the title of this pod, which you will see, it's some permutation of silencing your inner critic. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, The title of this is A Total Lie. Yep, I lied to you, just bald-faced lie just to get you to listen. Can you believe that? All right, well, let's just keep going. The reality is you can't silence your inner critic or your inner judge, but you can manage it, shrink it, throw it from Voldemort in his prime to the marginalized, tiny, shriveled Voldemort that he was at the very end of the books. Powerless. Okay. You know what? Sorry, Harry Potter spoiler there. The trick or the skill is the first to get to know the inner critic or the judge and then disallow it from hijacking your brain and physiology. Now, before we go any further, let's lay down some definitions so that we're all on the same page. What exactly is this inner critic or judge or negative self-talk? This is the inner voice that says you can't or you aren't, or you are not enough. I don't care who you are. You've got one. It might be small. It might be large. It might be a shout. It might be a whisper, but it's there. And then how do you know that it's your inner critic talking at that moment? Because it's negative, because it drains you rather than feeds you. This is not a critic that gives you a positive review, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is where you are getting panned by the critic. This is your one-star Yelp review. And the way our minds work, negativity often gets a free pass at the door, while positivity or wisdom or support, it gets held up and hassled. And a metaphor that I love that is, this is totally science nerdy, I mean, like, really super specific science nerdy is that it's kind of like electrical conduction through the heart. The negative self-talk, the inner critic gets to take an accessory pathway, no resistance, positive self-talk gets held up at the AV node and is just delayed and has to work harder to get through. Now you might be nodding your head thinking, oh man, that metaphor just nails it, nails it. You might be shaking your head thinking, what the hell is he talking about? Alas, Let's press on. What does an inner critic say? What does it sound like? I mentioned a few before, but let's get a little deeper. Some of what it might say, might say, you're not good enough. You're not worthy. Why should they respect you? You don't know anything. You're going to fail, so why even try? Some of them yell and spit and just red in the face, and some are almost silent like a light wind. Mine is a whisper, and it says, Why can't you be good as them or him or her? It's a comparator. And when it gets control, I don't measure up. And let's pause there for a moment to thwart the efforts of your inner critic. You first have to know it. it's a little painful, but it's awareness. I mean, awareness is really the key skill here. What does your inner critic say? What does it sound like? When does it show up? When you look inward, you listen to the tone, the timbre, the content of the inner critic, like almost its it's posture. Where do you feel it in your body when it's speaking? And take notice of when the critic comes up during the day. And you, mean, you can even keep a journal if that works for you, but you don't have to. Really just notice. Now, I mentioned before that one way to know that this is the critic. I mean, come on, you just, you, you pretty much know, but that it's, Colored with negativity. I think there's some really astute descriptors of this by a guy named Shirzad Shamin, who's a self mastery researcher and author of the book, Positive Intelligence, who describes the inner critic as the judge, your judge. When it's judging you and others, it's packed with emotion and negativity. And judgment is contrasted with discernment. Judgment packs heat the judge sabotages, discernment is objective, observant without an emotional charge. Where the judge is a saboteur, discernment is the sage. With one of my clients, we call the judge their inner Palpatine and the sage their inner Obi-Wan. Now, not everybody is a Star Wars aficionado, but sometimes naming these things can help manage them. And frankly, it takes away some of the punch. It's just sort of this nebulous dread without any form, but you start naming it you start getting awareness of it. It gives you more control. And you can think of this as different selves within you or different aspects of your inner workings, whatever fits. I mean, it's all metaphors. So just make it resonate for you. Now let's take this to the real world and see how it all works. Say you are a physician and you are in a complex resuscitation or a complex case, the judge, the critic says, this is a disaster. There's too much going on. You're never going to figure it out. I mean, you're, you're totally flailing. Just look at you, look flapping your arms about you. Aren't good enough. Everyone sees it. Everyone sees it. The sage says, well, there's a lot. There's a lot at play here. Several paths we can take. No one knows a perfect answer but you have the information and the knowledge to give this patient the best chance. Different timbers, different tones, different content. One negative draining, one positive, supportive, compassionate feeding. Left to their own devices, the critic more often than not wins, gets a spotlight. The critic hijacks your limbic system. Your amygdala is just firing on all cylinders. Your brain might freeze, fight or flight. Your thought should focus narrow you are emotionally overwhelmed. The other side of this, the sage, dispassionate, analytical, supportive, the problem-solving OODA loop, observe, orient, decide, act, in control, self-mastery. We have all experienced both. The question is, how do we get from our inner Palpatine to our inner Obi-Wan, our inner critic to our inner wiser sage? Before we get into techniques, let me start by saying, you can't always win. You can't always divert it. Sometimes you're just overtaken by the intensity of the moment. And your first reflex reaction may be the critic. It's often hardwired in there with decades of repeated habit. Self-criticism and self-castigation are a habit, especially for high-level performers. Now, much of what you read on how to do this, how to you know, get out of the negative self-talk is something like oh yeah just stop the negative self-talk and start the positive bob's your uncle have a great day if only it were that (laughs) easy right (laughs) then we wouldn't even be having this conversation and really the methodology frankly is pretty straightforward to understand but actually doing it takes some work to make it a habit to get it heartwired so imagine this and i I take this imagery from uh the same research i was talking about before shirzad shamin A stimulus comes into your brain, and it's immediately brought to a fork in your mental road. Fork to the left, let's say, takes you to your limbic system, your emotional behavioral center, where by natural proclivity, you are motivated through negative emotions, fear, stress, anger, guilt, shame, insecurity. Most of us, to at least some degree, self-motivate through negative emotion. And this habit may generate achievement, right? I mean, it got us to a really high level in our work, probably other pursuits, high levels, but maybe not the best path to happiness. That's one fork in the mental road. That's where your inner critic lives. That's the accessory pathway. The grooves in the road are well-established. The other fork, let's say the right fork in the road, is your empathy circuit, your prefrontal cortex. This motivates through empathy, curiosity, purpose, creativity, passion. The critic is the catastrophizer. It creates dread saying, what if? The sage sees the challenge and asks, what's next? This is the move, switching from what if to what's next. From general non-specific catastrophe, even specific catastrophe to what is my next step in the sequence? And really you ask yourself, do you want to be pushed by fear or by love? And it's not a rhetorical question. If the answer is you'd rather be pushed by love, let's continue. Because as a high level performer, chances are you are incredibly adept at and motivated by negative emotion. And your critic may tell you that that's the only way to be excellent And really, I mean, we see this all the time. So many high-level athletes, for example, are filled with hate and anger and dislike, both of their opponent and themselves. Did they get skilled? Yes. Did they achieve the pinnacle of achievement? Oh, yeah. Are they happy? Did they feel fulfilled? Well, you know what? Just go watch any recent sports documentary. And the answer, usually no. The critic gets a free pass at the fork in the road. The sage sometimes needs a little help. And the first step in this is awareness. Awareness of the critic. When you hear it, you might even thank the critic. Hey, thanks for helping me get here. Or not, that might be too weird. It works for me, may may not work for you. Get to know this critic. And now the second tool, you can call it coming back to center Calming, going from sympathetic limbic dominance to parasympathetic prefrontal cortex dominance. Whatever name resonates with you. You can think of it as brain anatomy. I think of it as just coming back to the center, pulling out of the limbic fork in the road and coming back to the branch point, the decision point. And this gets done with intentional action to downregulate your physiology. And here's a few examples. If you're a meditator, you might recognize some of these techniques. First thing to try or the first technique is breath, attention to the breath. In the resus bay of the ER or any acute high-stakes situation, a pretty commonly used technique is triangle breathing or box breathing in for three, hold for three, out for three, hold for three, in for three, etc. Getting control of the breathing, slowing it down, going from sympathetic to parasympathetic. Tur- turning your RPMs from 9,000 to 7,000, just taking the edge off. One or two cycles to come back to that fork in the road. Another thing to try, attention to the body. For me, if I'm standing, I think, where are my feet? What do my feet feel like? What do my toes feel like? Another is attention to vision. Focus on the wide view, and then bring it in to a narrow focus to concentrate deeply on a single object, noticing the fine details. I don't know what technique will work for you, and frankly, different techniques may work in different situations, but one thing's for sure, it takes practice. It takes doing it when you're not in the stressful situation. Just, you know, three, four times a day. Just take a moment and come back to that center. Take a little bit of the edge off, come back to whatever's happening in the present. And once you've pulled yourself out of the gravity well of the inner critic, it's time to activate the other voice, the one that motivates through curiosity, empathy, and purpose. And what does that other voice sound like or say your wiser, curious, compassionate, supportive inner voice? Well, that's up to you. It can be a lot of things. There are myriad techniques and theories. We're gonna get into that pretty extensively here, but it's probably gonna be something totally unique to you, but hopefully this can give you just a little bit of structure to get started. So things to ask, what is the mantra or saying you need to guide you with empathy and curiosity? What does that voice sound like? What's it say? What's its intent? It might be a different voice for different situations. For me, in the recess bag, if I was overamped and excited and just you know not able to focus, I would do a box breathe or triangle breathe, come back to the fork in the road, speak as the sage, level down, you've got this. Let's break it into small steps, and the voice in my head was my friend Rich Levitan, is an airway expert who taught me about incrementalization. So I'd have him in my mind saying. Let's just break it down to the small steps. If I was feeling sorry for myself and there's no way I could keep up, you know, a whole bunch of ambulances were in there. I'd just, you know, just starting to spin my wheels. The critic would say, you know, you kind of suck a little bit. Look at the docs and the other pods who can handle this. Okay, come back, come back. The voice here I'd often use was Jocko Willink. Hey, it's tough. Good, get in there. And let's kick some ass. And then here's one, it's even hard for me to say, it's kind of a core critic, which would come or actually still comes in a bit of a whisper that you're not good enough. I'm not sure where it came from. And sometimes it's just a feeling, not even a voice. Sometimes it actually is like I hear a voice, what events in childhood or whatever made that my default? I don't know, but it's pops up frequently in some capacity. Now, when I feel it or I hear it in my mind, pause, pull back from the inner critic, whatever, sometimes it's through the body scan, sometimes it's with breath, then I engage my sage who asks this in a very Socratic way, is the thing you're doing right now aligned with your core values? Because the answer is yes, and that's what's important. So pulling back from shame, and draining to support and purpose, compassion, empathy. Now you might think listening to all this, ah, it's too complicated for me. It's just just too much. It's like too much stuff. Well, there was a really interesting study done by Kamal Chopra, a primary school teacher in the UK that gives another view into what positive self-talk sounds like. And he did this study with, single digit age students, right? He made it simple enough for kids to understand. And what I love about it is that when you are in the thick of it as an adult, simple is what's going to work. And he divided self-talk into red light words, which are negative and green light words, which are positive. So what are red light words? What are judge words? It's can't, don't, won't. I'm not good at. I'll try. I can never green light. I can do. I am X positive attribute. I am good at and monitor and interpret those feelings. Another way to shift out of self judgment and into discernment is to speak about yourself in the third person. And I I think maybe doing this in your mind, because saying it out loud might sound a little weird, but speaking about yourself in the third person is referred to as distanced self-talk, distanced self-talk. And the data on what happens with distant self-talk is fascinating, compelling. A recent fMRI study found, quote, third-person self-talk leads people to think about the self similar to how they think about others, which provides them with the psychological distance needed to facilitate self-control. And I'll tell you, from time to time, I use this technique. I mean, it, it's just like hitting the nitro on the sports car, going full turbo. So, how do you do it? You get away from I and you pronouns because it might not pack enough punch for you to really believe it. Like, okay, I've got this, you know, like these you know, green light words, et cetera. You just might not believe it. You might not actually feel it as opposed to, hey, Charlie's got this. Oh, look at the Ask Hickory just oozing from every pore. Oh, Charlie, you're the man. Or if it's the judge or the critic, you can give it a name. Give it the name of the most annoying person that you know. When it comes, you can chuckle and say, oh, (laughs) I was expecting you. Have a seat. I'm driving. So there's many ways to create the voice you need to hear. Awareness of the inner critic is step one recalibrating, resetting, slightly down-regulating physiology is step two. Breath, eye focus, quick body scan, whatever works. Maybe something completely different. And once you've gotten back to center, once you've gotten back to the fork in the road, pulled yourself out of that limbic morass, now the sage. And experiment with all the things that we went through on this pod. I certainly don't know what's gonna work best for you. And the only way for you to find out is to try it. It might be a phrase or a mantra that's meaningful to you, might be rephrasing words so that they are green lights and not red lights, might be the voice of a mentor, maybe stepping back and objectively describing the situation, what is and what isn't my control, or even third-person or distanced self-talk. As I mentioned before, practice when you are not under duress and you're not self-criticizing. Throughout the day, try the physiologic resets periodically and just consider what is going on. What's your inner weather pattern at the moment? What would your sage say to you right now? And beware the sneakiness and the tenacity of the critic. It took a long time for that critic to set up shop. I mean, it very well may have helped you in some ways, You know, maybe like a maladaptive way, but at least it got you there where you are today, but it is probably not gonna get you where you wanna be. Fulfilled, happy, flourishing, and thriving. And that is it for today. To learn more about our one-on-one coaching and or sign up for a free coaching discovery session, check us out at roborman.com. That is also where you will find the complete show notes for this episode. Sign up for the newsletter, find all our old stuff, all the way back to episode one. Archives, baby. And until the next time, my friends, be well and keep on rocking.